0: Breaking breaking breaking, breaking.
1: The imposter. The imposter. Imposter Breaking the Imposter. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Breaking the Imposter. I'm your host, Jermaine, and I'm excited to introduce you to our guest, Joanna Diorio. So, instead of me going and rambling off about who you are and what you do, can you give us a little bit of insight of what you do?
0: Absolutely. So thanks so much for having me, Jermaine. Um, you're welcome to call me Joe. Uh So I am an entrepreneur. I'm also a community organizer. I'm a dog mom, and I'm definitely a, a passionate feminist. And throughout my career, I've held a number of different roles spanning from the corporate to nonprofit to public sectors. And there's been a common thread For me, and that's project management. In every single role that I've had, there's been some sort of an element of that, even if it's not in the official job title. By day, I would say that I'm a project manager. But for the past several years, I've also embraced the title of entrepreneur. So my current focus is my new business, which is called Q&A, the letter Q plus sign A. And uh Q&A exists to help individuals who have been sexually assaulted in the workplace use their voice. So, you know, a little bit of a trigger warning for any listeners as well, obviously uh, the focus of my business is around sexual assault and violence, sexual violence in the workplace. So if anybody's uncomfortable hearing about that or finds that triggering, I'd suggest they probably skip this episode. But I know we won't be focusing on that the whole time, but I do want to offer that for anybody who finds that to be a
1: trigger. Awesome. And thanks for giving the trigger warning. I've never had to do that on the podcast of yet. So appreciate that you're letting the audience know where to go. Please don't skip the episode because I'm still (laughs) sure that you'd be able to find things insightful, but I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that we can have conversations about that if we go in there. But aside from going into the actual business and what things you're doing, how did you come up with the name (laughs) Q&A?
0: That's a great question. Truthfully, the answer depends on who I'm talking to. So for the more corporate types, I would say Q&A, question and answer. We all have questions and need answers when it comes to violence, particularly sexual violence in, in the workplace. On a more personal note, I'm somebody who finds a lot of strength and healing out of perhaps you would call them alternative practices. I am really interested in crystals and have been ever since I was a little kid. And so quartz and amethyst are actually my two favorite crystals. And so when I was playing around with different ideas for business names and concepts for uh, my company... Those two things really aligned with my vision because both Quartz and Amethyst have properties that align very much with my mission in terms of helping others, providing clarity, allowing for people to find calm, and the ability to lower their stress levels. So it just fit and felt really intuitive, and so I ran with it.
1: Awesome. I can imagine you already have brand colors to a certain degree as soon as you to go on to... Yeah,
0: there's the UX designer in you. <laughs>
1: Just go in Q&A I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Is, is that yeah. purple and like orange yeah. in the branding? Oh, and, you know, yeah, you got it. go you in there, it. get the braid rolling. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. Awesome. Why do you want to do this business? What inspires you to do this business?
0: As I mentioned off the top, I'm definitely somebody that believe strongly in feminist principles. And I myself was sexually assaulted in the workplace as a sort of young professional, but, you know, well into my career at that point. And for me, it was a really traumatic experience. And it was also a life-changing experience that I would go so far to say that I can't say I'm glad it happened, but I know it happened for a reason. And out of that, and through many years—it's been four years now—of thinking and pondering and speaking to many different folks, and not just women. I think that's an important point to make. It's not just women who experience this in the workplace, and really feeling so much pain and hearing so many terrible stories about uh, folks not knowing what to do after the awkward conversations, whether or not to approach HR, whether or not to go to the police, and. I really saw the need for a service and somewhere for people to go to have a safe space to talk, but also for organizations to go to build out training programs and have a consultant, if you will, to provide them with their experiences and and their lived experiences to help shape people manager, in particular, responses to individuals that have had such experiences.
1: So from what I'm understanding, what you're saying, it's not only helping the person that was affected by it directly, it's also helping the ecosystem around them to understand the issue so that they can provide support as well.
0: Absolutely. Bang on. You got it exactly.
1: Okay. I think it's important to be able to have these conversations and be able to get some of these questions answered because some people just don't from like what I'm saying and what I'm thinking of, it's just like, yeah, if that happens, knock on wood, I'm glad it didn't happen to me. But it's just like, where did this idea come from to happen to me? What do I do from here? Who could I talk to? How do I navigate through these emotions? I think those are like some of the questions that are coming to my mind of if this was to happen, I see you're trying to be that response
0: exactly for them
1: to be like hey what are the questions you have what are some of the questions you could ask yourself and come to yep. some answers for yourself
0: exactly and you know q and a really exists to help individuals use their voice i think we at some point, have all heard the clip of Meghan Markle saying, she's speaking particularly about women, like women don't need to find their voice. They already have their voice. They need to be able to use it. And that's really, for me, the essence of what I'm trying to get at here is the individual knows what they need to do ultimately they may not know at that particular moment they may be experiencing a lot of shock a lot of trauma a lot of grief but it's that individual's life and it's that individual's career in some cases so i certainly wouldn't i'm not a therapist i'm not a medical professional i'm not a lawyer but i am somebody that can hold space and having received training and I understand very much the power of being able to help people unlock their potential, if you will. And so I see being able to apply those skills in this situation to help the individual, like I said, use their voice, but also to to the point earlier, provide that training and content and a space for the support system. Or the organization, perhaps there's a systemic issue that needs to be resolved and someone like myself could provide some guidance in, in that area.
1: Mm-hmm. I think what you brought up is very interesting points, and I think it expands outside of just Q&A, which is using your voice. Because mm-hmm. even a concept like how I'm thinking about it, I'm like you're absolutely right. When you go into personal development space, I also have my own coach and things like that. There's one thing to be able to use your voice and then there's another thing when people like cover their ears and aren't open to hearing said voice. So that's where I am understanding like you're getting the organizational piece of, hey, you have to learn how to listen when somebody uses their voice, especially if you're working with them closely, if you're going to be interacting with them, teaching people how to listen, but also teaching people how to say what's what they need to say to get the message across of who they are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's so, I, uh, that was so beautifully put. And we're talking on video and I know listeners can't see, but you, could, you physically covered your ears and that was a really powerful image for me because I think that's true and it speaks to a lot of equity, diversity and inclusion training. It's not just about knowing that those issues are there or that there's systemic uh, racism or discrimination that's happening. But it's also the willingness of the individuals that make up that organization to, you know, remove the blindfolds or the blinders or whatever it is and unlearn behaviors or patterns of thinking or what have you so that they can be more inclusive. Uh, so it it really does dovetail with the broader topic of inclusion. Quite frankly,
1: I know it's been a hot button topic, or and things, and I've never got a chance to explore it on the podcast yet. So I'd be really like to understand you, how you would define inclusion.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great and it's a powerful question. When I think about inclusion, if I go into metaphorical space. It's creating the space at the table. And I'm part of a, a women's community. And one of the quotes that we refer to often, this is a women's uh, networking group and platform. One of the fo- quotes that we refer to often is, if, they're, if they don't give you a space at the table, bring a folding chair. And it's true. For me, inclusion is not just about the individual showing up, uh, and bringing their own folding chair. But it's also about the individuals sitting around the table, being willing to one bum back, like we all did in, in kindergarten and expand that circle and create space for different individuals and from different backgrounds. And by that, I don't just mean visibly diverse. Different uh, schools of thought, different educational backgrounds, from different socioeconomic classes, because until those individuals are represented around the table and there's a conscious effort to make space for all voices to be heard, you haven't achieved inclusion, in, in my
1: opinion. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So it's not only having the space, and I try, and I try to like kind of understand so that I could articulate in my mind, and I get the point of you have to show up, but you also whoever is seeing you show up has to make sure that they can create a little room for you so that both parties are able to engage with the new thought and discourse.
0: That's it. Exactly. It's a two-way street
1: hundred percent and going into that and going into occlusion and just trying to understand ourselves and the others around us how would you describe your own personal brand I know you said throughout the years you've done many things you start to go a lot towards product management and project management a little bit more but how would you describe your personal brand if if it were a person (laughs) because it is
0: Absolutely. (laughs) absolutely yeah no absolutely and you know what I'm 15 or so years into my career, Jermaine, and if you'd asked me that question five years ago, I would have given you the textbook, like MBA answer, a really nice, polished personal brand (laughs) statement. I'm not going to give you that anymore because I've thrown that right out the window. And I've really been working on, to be honest, over the last, I don't know, 18 months or so, the lines with COVID. But really, embracing my authentic self and doing a lot of soul searching and and thinking about how i want to show up in the world and then stepping into that and you know uh, it kills my husband when i say this but to to be totally honest i define my personal brand as um sparkles rainbows you know i freaking love being a woman i love being sparkly um, I love showing up in a room and being uh, a bright light, of, as I've been described, and welcoming people into conversation with me. The rainbows piece is, is you know, it's, it's colorful. It's fun. I think about like almost like a childlike essence of curiosity and exploration and also inclusion, Um, you know, I have a lot of very, very dear friends in the LGBTQ plus community. And I've embraced that more than ever in terms of ensuring that they have a seat at the table. And quite frankly, they improve my life so much that I've adopted a little piece of that rainbow, um, as as part of my brand. Uh, and then the fire for me comes from being a Leo. Um, so, uh, I guess for those that believe in astrology, that's, uh, very much, I'm very much a fire sign, but also, um, speaks to really that strong, uh, feminist, um, energy that I have within me. And, and, you know, that comes from the time that I was, uh, a little girl being raised in a, uh, very feminist household. Um, and with the events of the past several years, you know, really starting with the Me Too movement um, and and fast forward, uh, really feeling that fire burning ever so strong. So uh, that's how I define my personal brand, Sparkles, Rainbows and Fire.
1: Awesome. How did you even come up with Sparkles, Rainbows and Fire, like even before? Because you said it's like something a little bit more, more recently, but like how did you did come up with come those from? metaphors? For me, I'm just like, I've never defined my personal brand. I heard somebody define their personal brand by just like saying, like, yeah, specific things, like these three specific things, and then articulated that. So, how'd you like come up with that, like, throughout the years?
0: That's a great question. I guess for me, maybe I spend too much time in my head. I don't know. (laughs) But I, I definitely think in metaphors and images a lot. I'm a very visual person. I need to see things color I need to see them done I need to write I physically write like I'm a note taker with the old pen and paper that helps me process when I'm working with clients or in in a workplace setting but I guess for me it just like I said earlier it's about distilling it down to how do I want to show up in the world and kind of owning that. And for me, it just sticks. And also when I think about a brand, like what is a really strong brand, if you actually think about that personal branding exercise that we've all done in some way, shape or form, whether it's in a training course, or as part of a business school degree, or what have, it's it ultimately needs to be able to boil it down to some key punchy elements. And for me, that just works. Just stuck. <laughs> yep.
1: Awesome. 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 I see that there's a lot of passion within your brand with the sparkles, rainbow, and the fire that you have. And I've worked with you on a few projects before. So I've definitely mm-hmm. seen all three aspects <laughs> of your personality and your personal brand show. And just one of those things, or one of the less things that I think people discuss is how is who like wouldn't jive with that personal mm. brand. So what you've noticed throughout your years where you had to probably not adjust, but be aware that said type of person doesn't work well or blend well. Like what have you noticed are people, or what type of person have you noticed hasn't really um, gelled with your, with your personal brand?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great question. And it's very topical for me because... As I think about how I wanna show up in the world, I also have done a lot of thinking and, and there's a lot out there right now, like for those that follow like self-help stuff on social media, for example, about not apologizing for who you are and being okay with people not liking you. And that's that's been a tricky one for me. I was always worried about judgment from others Whether it was like in the playground or not being invited to somebody's birthday party, like those were really, I remember as a kid being like really deeply hurt by that. And so I guess when I think about who are those types of people that may be judging or may not like so many sparkles or be so interested in the fire in my perception is those individuals that are less open to change, people that like traditional workplace structures. And I, I'm I'll say traditional with air quotes, right? Because I think those traditional structures that I'm speaking about are starting to disappear at a much quicker rate than any of us would have expected pre-pandemic. And so it's the folks that aren't willing to change, that aren't willing to make a space at the table for um, somebody that is going to share their opinions or somebody that's going to worry more about how someone else is feeling or how someone else is um, coping than the bottom line, let's say. Um, And so... You know, I I know I put those people off. I know I have in the past. And to your point earlier, I've also um, toned it down (laughs) when necessary because I think part of being a smart operator, particularly in in, um, more traditional structures, is, you know, knowing when to dial it up and when to dial it down. Mm
1: -hmm. So you don't diminish who you are, but you adjust... For your Correct. audience
0: yeah absolutely absolutely i think we all do that to a certain extent and and it's just part of our society i think
1: mm-hmm. it's uh, the the quote unquote code switching <laughs> mm,
0: <laughs> yes yes very much
1: yeah even like myself i could find myself speaking speaking with like a little bit more how like Guyanese people speak or West mm-hmm. Indian people speak with my parents, yeah. and I laugh at myself because I'm just like I don't I don't speak like this like to anybody else, but my parents where I'm omitting words and I'm putting things and using wrong grammar, but like wrong grammar quote unquote. But it's just funny because I know I'm still there, I'm still who I am, but for my audience, I can adjust, I can adapt, and still invite them to be who I am, without it being confrontational. <laughs>
0: Right exactly, and I suppose on on the flip side of that, you may not speak that way necessarily in the workplace because perhaps you're concerned about you know certain perceptions or making people feel uncomfortable if they're not able to kind of follow along um or what have you, so yeah, I think we all do it, yeah,
1: awesome, and just because we know a lot has happened, a lot of things are crazy, I like to look at the positive side of what's been happening. And just want to know, like, what was one of your biggest goals that you accomplished within this past year?
0: Oh, good one. And I appreciate the optimistic attitude Mm -hmm. and looking at the glass half full. So one of my biggest goals was really carving out time for myself to focus on q&a. As I mentioned, it's sort of been percolating within me uh, for four years now. And the timing was never right, or I didn't know how to do a website or like there was all the exclu- excuses, excuse, excuse me. So I think for me, you know, in in 2021, there was a real sense of, of um, kind of fresh start, uh, more so than ever, and really wanting to do something different and follow what I'm passionate about. uh, Because for me, my experience during the pandemic was very much one of, you know, life is short. And we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know if the world's going to shut down again. And so do it and do it now. And so for me, you know, I'm, I can't say I've accomplished my goal because um, the business is very much in its nascent form. However, I have carved out the time to focus on it, and I'm ready to launch my website, which is super duper exciting. And for whatever reason, it feels like a really huge milestone. It may just be one page, but it still it exists. So you know all the things that go in with that, learning new skills and um, being vulnerable.
1: Yeah, and that's good. I know I had things percolating, or a lot of other people probably have things percolating in their mind, but haven't taken this the first step. So congratulations on releasing your Thank website. You. We'll get the contacts for that at the end of the podcast <laughs> and we'll get to know Amazing. all of that. And I want to know like either when you're when you decided and you were able to carve out more time for your business, or even when you're gonna release your websites. One thing that I think I don't hear enough about is how people celebrate. Those victories. So I just want to know from your perspective, how have you been able to celebrate this accomplishment of carving out the more time that you could dedicate to or when you're going to release the website? Like, how have you been able to celebrate?
0: Oh, I love this question. And I have to give some credit to Make Lemonade, which is a women's co-working space in Toronto. It was a physical location. They actually just closed their doors. It's an entirely virtual community now. So a little shout out to them one of the things that I've learned being part of that community is the importance of celebrating the big and small wins. And so I've actually built that into my weeks. I don't work on my business on Fridays. That's my quote unquote day off of my business. And that's a day to celebrate. And so sometimes a celebration looks like buying myself my favorite latte, um, which is oat milk for anybody who's wondering. But sometimes it looks like you know, leveling up a little bit, like booking myself a special pedicure, or it looks like going away on an overnight trip. I've been loving exploring new little towns in Ontario during the pandemic. So for me, it's really become something that not only am I rewarding myself for the week, but then when there's those big milestones in the week, that happen like this, like the website launch, for example, you know, I can level up a little bit and, and recognize those important things as well. And that's been really helpful in terms of my motivation, just because sometimes you just want to sit and watch Netflix all day. And <laughs> that's not healthy for anyone all the time.
1: I know the feeling. I know the feeling. <laughs> and it's good that you celebrate and that you're tracking your celebrations so that you keep yourself on track and keeping yourself motivated, but what do you do aside from celebrating to make sure you stay on track to your goals so that Friday you could have a guilt-free celebration?
0: Yeah, two things. So I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm a writer. I love to physically write things out. I have a paper to-do list all the time. Um, like every morning, I start my morning with my paper to do list. And so what I do to keep myself accountable is I literally like check off the to do list. And I used to I'm, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I used to not stop until I finished my to do list for the day. Now I don't do that. I have my work hours. If I don't finish something on that to do list, and I'm you no, know, sometimes you got to finish it, right? But if I don't finish it, I carry it forward to the next day's to-do list. And so that's how I keep myself on track and accountable. The other thing uh, that I do, and again, this is something that uh, I've, I've learned or, or adopted through um, the uh, Make Lemonade community is uh, I have a, a 30 or sorry, a 90 day North Star. So that big goal that I'm working towards. Um, And so everything that I'm doing each day, each week is working towards that 90 day target. And so for me, that's much more manageable than thinking about, okay, what am I going to accomplish in 2021 or 2022, or even, you know, the first half of the year, Um, it kind of chunks it out and breaks it down.
1: Nice. I haven't heard of the 90 day north star usually i hear on north star it's always product of what is the what is the final state of the of the mm. experience that we want to achieve sure. <laughs> so sure. it's nice to hear yeah. that that's being applied more so to a smaller chunk and i know i've heard of chunking before as mm-hmm. a practice to make things more manageable within the day to day so that's interesting that to see how it's applied a little differently yeah and Throughout this journey, and I know it's happened to other people, you have gotten your tracking, you know what your North Star is, you are really dedicated to your goal, but has there ever been a moment where you thought, like, maybe I don't want to do this anymore, maybe I should hang it up, maybe I should leave the work for somebody else in the future to do?
0: Are you talking about with Q&A?
1: and a um, for now.
0: No. Absolutely not. Now, maybe a year from now, I'll be like, see ya. <laughs> um, but I can speak to that in in past experiences. There's mm-hmm. definitely been that for me. Um, and you know, I'm I'm happy to talk about you know my own journey with mental health in the workplace. Um, I'm somebody who has struggled with anxiety and depression my entire adult life, and I'm also somebody that loves working and is really passionate about whatever they commit themselves to do. And so I have had to say, you know what, I can't do this anymore. That's been at times where there's been external factors that were outside of my control, that were creating environments that were just no longer conducive to um, me having good mental and physical health. Um, And it's also been because I've had um, times in my life where I just was no longer enjoying the work that I was doing. And therefore, that triggered what I would say would be an episode. And I needed to step back as a perfectionist. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, and I've learned over the past number of years and with lots of help, like so much help. Oh, my God like so much support, um, you know, from friends, from family, from my own research, from therapy, to really know sort of what those triggers are for me and when things are getting to be too much. Uh, and this year was a really interesting one, you know, we threw in a pandemic. So, <laughs> so um, you know, I think everybody's baseline was so much lower than their typical capacity. And so just For me, it's really been about checking in, um, asking for help when I need it, and not being afraid anymore because there were many times in my life and in my career when I was afraid to admit that I needed help, Um, but no longer being afraid to say, this is too much. I can't do this right now. And it doesn't mean that I can't do it in the future. It doesn't mean that I'll never work again or anything like that. It just means that I need to take a minute and um, you know, reaccess those supports that I have in place and really get my health to a place where I can be an A plus contributor. Because otherwise, you know, I'm no good to anyone.
1: You're so good to them just different capacities.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's super important and I've been seeing it in my own life and I've had go- gone through it in my life so that ability to know when it's okay to take a step back to recalibrate yeah. get external help and your own internal help so that you can start making sense of it and then you could get back into the ring for another round of life because it's That's it. it. It doesn't end. <laughs>
0: this is it. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you have your ebbs, you have your flows, and then we just go through what we can. And I think it's really important um, what you just said and like, how you articulated it too, because there's so many, uh, and it's just like going back to like Q&A in another sense Whereas, yeah. like, sometimes we don't know what questions do we ask when we're being overwhelmed, when we're feeling these feelings of anxiety or not being like we're doing enough, especially like the perfectionism. It's, it's, it's territorial. <laughs> it really likes to make sure that it's okay and its bubble is fine. And it's like, what are we doing? What are we doing? No, I can, I cannot do that today and it's fine. So
0: I think it's just like,
1: <laughs> It's a great thing to just like acknowledge that other people are experiencing it and they as well can do all of these amazing things because they haven't really escaped it, but they've learned how it appears, how it looks, and they have answers on how to solve it when they go, when they, when they meet it. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm glad that we went through that segment. I got to learn a lot more about you and what you do that I didn't know before. And I appreciate you being able to share it. And now I like to do the segments where I call a rapid fire segment. So it could be short answers. It could be a little bit longer. But we really want to just get fast paced, quick nuggets of information that the listeners could go back to and they could take and apply within their own lives that could help them Achieve what they're looking for because there's so many things that you're looking to do. That's different from what I'm looking to do. But the principles of getting that support, getting that that knowledge could definitely help us all. So you ready?
0: I'm ready. Bring it on. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So what is one attribute that has contributed to your success slash growth?
0: Ooh, I would say empathy, empathy for others in particular. And by that, I mean, I'm, I find because of that, I'm often able to bridge gaps in conversations, create connections, and really just be thoughtful about how others may be showing up. And that allows me to operate in a way that most people seem to find uh, welcoming and um, conducive to good work. And it allows for trust to be built pretty quickly. So I definitely, definitely say my empathy for
1: others. Awesome. And who has been a great inspiration for you?
0: This one's easy. My sister. She's a pediatric oncologist and a couple of, well, two years almost, she's been involved in COVID research. She's incredible. Uh, and, and you know what? Uh, for me, her bad days are really bad days. And that helps me sometimes reframe uh, if I think I'm having a bad day at work or you know I've had a really difficult conversation or you know something's happened that I don't know it can be a stupid thing that's thrown my day off and I think about what she deals with in a day and the mountains that she's moving and the work that she does and that helps me keep things in perspective so she's a massive inspiration for me and a lot of other people.
1: Fantastic. And who has been your biggest cheerleader for your success?
0: Fun fact, I was a cheerleader in high school, <laughs> very on brand for me. Um, <laughs> for me, it's, it's my partner, my husband, um, without fail, he is always pulling for me, whether it's something that I'm doing in the volunteer space, it's my, you know, nine to five job, it's my business, he always shows up and he's always game to celebrate success. Which is always fun.
1: You already told us one way, but how else do you celebrate your wins?
0: <laughs> With my oatmeal milk lattes, <laughs> a mani-pedi, <laughs> and, and and also, um, you know, in the before times at travel, the big things, mm. a trip, um, going somewhere new, going somewhere different. Um, that's having an experience. That's the best celebration I can think of.
1: And what's one lie you had to stop telling yourself?
0: I just stopped telling myself that everybody else knows what they're doing because they don't. It is a lie. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're all figuring it out every single damn day. And I sometimes forget that. And when I remind myself, I feel a lot better.
1: I have a guess of what this next question is. But what is a hobby that you do outside of work that keeps you grounded?
0: (laughs) Okay. I'm interested to hear what your guess is.
1: I say it I first. Can't remember. Say it first okay. and then okay. I'll see if I was right or wrong.
0: Okay. So, um so the most grounding thing I can think of for me is hanging out with little kids. And uh, <laughs> yeah. You weren't going to guess this one, I don't think. So, no. <laughs> actually during COVID, um, I started a skipping club with the kids on my street with my neighbor's kids Uh, and there's two little girls they're 10 years old and as long as it wasn't raining every day at lunchtime we would all go outside and we would skip for 10 to 20 minutes and um it was so fun it got me off the screen it got them off the screen we put on music some of the adults started coming out and Uh, You know, now that they're back at school, I'm like, who am I going to skip with? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So I do hope they stay in school. But that was that was a new hobby um, that I I picked up over the course of the pandemic. And it really did ground me in my day.
1: Nice. I was going to guess writing because you had mentioned it multiple times of keeping and you specifically said it kept you grounded. So
0: (laughs) I mean, it does. It's true. But I wouldn't call it a hobby of mine. I just physically write things.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice. Skipping. I have to get back into that. What's the best advice you've ever received?
0: For me, it's know when to walk away. Um, As a perfectionist uh, or recovering perfectionist, uh, you know, sometimes I want to really fix things and make them better. And uh, that applies to both, you know, my professional, personal, um, all realms of my life. And sometimes you need to walk away and it's okay to walk away. Um, and someone told me that a number of years ago and it's it's been really valuable.
1: If you had 60 seconds with yourself when you came fresh out of high school, what advice would you give her?
0: I would tell her to get really comfortable saying no. You know, if you don't feel comfortable in a situation, if you don't have capacity, if you... don't want to do something 99 percent of the time you don't even need to explain yourself you can just say no and knowing how to say no politely or not so politely if the case calls for it is very empowering and it's also very liberating and that's something i wish i'd learned earlier than high school but um you know certainly embarking on my professional career
1: what is one book that you'd recommend?
0: So I'm going to recommend a book that is not a business book, unlike some of the other guests that you've had on the podcast. Um, It's more of, I guess you would call it a self-help book. And it's by the author's name is Christine Arilo. And it's called Overwhelmed and Over It. And she also has a podcast that's called feminine power time and the themes are very very similar but it's super duper interesting and really changed my perspective on the concept of melding work and life and um you know one of the things one of the big takeaways i had was that work-life balance is unattainable like it cannot exist she talks about the concept of harmony, and thinking about it more of like a circle as opposed to like the weight of on the scale. Um And so for me, that was really, really helpful. It was also really interesting in terms of diving into some of the structures that exist in um, the the workplace and in society in general, that are just simply not conducive for women in particular to do their best work. Uh, and so it's challenging some of those structures and, and really finding what works for you. Uh, so that was a, a pretty liberating read for me.
1: Mm-hmm. And what's one piece of parting advice for the listeners?
0: Don't say just. You don't just work as an X, Y, Z. You're not just doing this on the side everything you're doing is important and it's meaningful. And I think so often when we feel uncomfortable in situations, we downplay our own abilities and our own power. And if you can eliminate that word from your emails, just checking in, no, you're checking in. It's pretty neat when you change the language.
1: Amazing. And how can the less best? How can the listeners best reach out to you?
0: Through my business Instagram handle, which is at Q and Sellout and A underscore Collective, uh, or they can visit my website and I have a form to submit uh, questions or to reach out to me on there that goes directly to my email. And my website is Q and a collective.com so it's q a n d a collective.com
1: amazing joe really appreciate having you today i had a blast i learned a lot and i hope that everybody got as much from this that i did
0: thank you so much jermaine this has been so so much fun i really appreciate it thanks for having me on
1: very welcome anytime Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Breaking the Imposter. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking the Imposter. To stay up to date when episodes are released or to become a guest on the podcast, you can visit our website at www.breakingtheimposter.com. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so we can make sure The Imposter Stays Broken.